All right, we're on. Say it again? We're on. Okay, is the, is the sound clear? Yeah. Okay. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala khatmin anbiya al-mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een amma ba'd. <clears throat> we left off in the middle of the third chapter, the chapter of how the early Muslims, the Salaf, were during periods of corruption. And it's important to note that what is corrupt is defined by the deen, but certain people will be able to have the wherewithal to withstand some of the corruption, while others will have to seek seclusion earlier on. All this is going to be in some ways relevant. Thus, when you find that some people are seeking seclusion, it is not necessarily incumbent upon others to seek seclusion, vice versa. Rather, what is incumbent is that all of us accept the fact that all of us accept the fact that we are expected to recognize seclusion is from the deen. And that uh, it's not supposed to always be present, but at times it will be present. <clears throat> the Prophet has mentioned very clearly what the tribulations of our community in our time will be. And as a result, we see that there are times when isolation is going to be preferred. So from these, we find in one hadith that um, strife will become rampant and widespread. And now there's no doubt that today people claim that which is haram and impermissible they claim it to be permissible. And along, the, along with that, we see that scholars, sometimes the ulama usu, the scholars of evil intent, they qualify and classify um, something to be permissible, which was never considered to be permissible. And one of the things that's really concerning for all of us is that If you look at the writing of the the writings of the earlier scholars, they wouldn't use the word haram too often. They would say makruh. And say makruh because something that's makruh, it's in the maf'ul form, it's something that's hated. And who hates it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates it. So they would mean that this is hated, it's disliked. And the moment it was said that it's disliked or it's hated, immediately people would stay away from it. You don't have to classify as a makrut and zihi, tahrimi, is it haram, etc. Nowadays, if you say something's haram, people say, oh, it's, it's not, if you say something's makruh, they say, oh, it's not haram. Or if you say it's makruh, they say, oh, it's not, it's makrut and zihi, not tahrimi. Or if you say something's haram, they say, oh, is that according to all the opinions? There's a difference of opinion. In the past, people would be careful to recognize and to appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala disliked and they would stay away from it because once they knew Allah hated it, they themselves hated it. And nowadays, 
people are quick to please their own nafs and because of some nagging guilt in the back of their head and their consciousness, they will stay away from haram, but they'll try to justify it. And so they'll try to identify what is haram and then see if there's a loophole that exists in different mazahib or different opinions. And so this becomes very worrisome to all of us. This becomes very worrisome to all of us because this is the dominant opinion now. People are very, very quick to try to find excuses for themselves. In this, in this time that we're living in, the moment people make excuses for themselves and they try to find excuses for themselves, it's a slippery slope that very people will be able to avoid. There's an interesting exchange that occurs in this chapter that I want to briefly go over that mentions that <clears throat> There's no doubt that the Prophet ﷺ, he said to maintain your presence in the community and to stick to the jama'ah, to stick to the congregation. For verily, shaitan is amongst humans as a, as a wolf is amongst the sheep, snatching up the lone wolf. So people say, how should I be isolated if the Prophet himself said to stay with the community? To which the reply would be, and that's in Tabran in, uh, in, in, in the Muslim Imam Ahmad in Nasa'i, Imam Ash-Shafi in, uh, in his Musnad mentions that the Prophet said, said, verily shaitan is with the lone individual and further away from a pair. In response, I say, know that the aforementioned traditions have been recorded as the traditions which, stay, stay, which also say, stay, stay in your home. So just as that, just, is that true? Or are you making that up? It's true. How do you know that? I don't think that's what he's talking about. Oh, that battle in the beginning? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in response, you know, the same the person could say, stay in your home. That's that the Prophet gave us that command and attend to your personal concerns. The Prophet said that in a command. And so all of these things, um, they have a response. Someone might say, didn't the Prophet say that the being a, being a hermit of my community is staying in the masjid? I mean, the masjid is a place where people gather. However, the response is, I know this hadith. And the Prophet also said, a person's safety in times of fitna is to remain in the home. So all of these, sometimes people try to give excuses not to go into seclusion. But there are an equal amount of hadith that also mention the importance of seclusion in certain times. Sometimes you'll find a person of taqwa. That person's afraid for their personal well-being. And they're afraid of making a mistake. And so by being in the company of others who have ill will, they actually go through much difficulty and harm. People have these individuals. They play them for their own personal gain. They utilize their piety and their name in the community for their own personal gain. And that person becomes hurt. Thus, we see in a hadith, Nera Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, 
who said, what is the matter with you that you do not love one another even though you are brothers in the religion? Nothing has put you at odds with one another except the corruption that lurks within your souls. Had you been united in a common cause, you would have loved one another. Your condition is only the result of the weak faith within your hearts. Were you to have certainty in the good and evil that awaits in the hereafter, you would have been more avid in your pursuit of the life to come. What an evil people you are, bearing only a few among you. And over here, he's bringing to light the fact that it's the corruption of the heart by temptations of the dunya that causes people to have this fitna in the first place. And then when this fitna comes, then it harms everyone. And if a person's able to save his heart, save her heart from the corruption of the dunya, then they will not harm one another. But those are very, very few people. Few and far between are those people. Now, in a very uh, telling narration, trying to find the exact wording over here, I want to quote the individual who said it. Hmm, where is it? I think I skipped over it. Well, the narration is from the Salaf, who... Um, Oh, here we go. So, um, it is re recorded that Haram bin, uh, 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 the Haram bin Hayyan said to Awais al-Qarni. Awais al-Qarni, he's a Mukhadrami. He didn't see the Prophet, but he communicated with him. He was directed to stay with his mother and take care of his mother. To take care of his mother when she was ill. And so she never had the chance, he never had the chance to actually meet the Prophet. <laughs> However, the Prophet was so happy with Uwais that he directed Umar bin Khattab and Ali bin Abi Talib that when you go for Hajj in your life and you meet a man named Uwais, Uwais al Qarni, to ask him to ask Allah to. To, uh, to ask Allah for forgiveness, to seek forgiveness of Allah for, on their behalf. So this is how great of a person he was. So some people said to Uwais radiallahu anhu, the Haram bin Hayyan said to Uwais al-Qarni radiallahu anhu, rahmatullahi radiallahu anhu, Oh, Uwais. No, no, I need that. Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. I still need that, okay? Can we please have it? No, you make snow out of them. Yeah, sorry. He said, always connect with us by visiting and spending time with us. You know, people say this all the time. Brother, are you too good for us? You don't want to hang out with us anymore. Brother, I thought you went to go study so that you can go and uh, relay the knowledge. Sister, come on. We can benefit so much from your presence. Why don't you come with us? Just come for coffee. So the same thing. Always connect with us by visiting and with us. So he said, I have connected with you in a way that is more beneficial than both of those. Meaning, visiting and spending time, which is good, I have actually connected with you in some other way. What way is that? Through praying for you in your absence. He said that because visiting people and spending time with them can make one susceptible to putting on airs and showing off. So what does he do? 
he does what the Prophet recommended, that you make dua in the absence of your brother for your brother. That's one of the duas that are accepted. So he said, yeah, I might not hang out with you, but I remember you and, and, and I make dua for you. And in this world, it might not be as filling for some people. But on the day of judgment, on the day of judgment, that will be much more powerful and effective. So now the fourth chapter, how the early imams would withdraw from society. So we've been told about doing so, but how would they do so? Now there's some very, um, there's some very clear yet implied points that are present over here. There's some very clear but implied points that are present here that I need all of us to pay attention to. I'm going to ask you guys to move this way, okay? I can't speak over your voices. Especially Khadija. Khadija, I have to ask you to go to a different room, okay? You have to go to a different room. You have to go to a different room. You have to, yeah, you're being too loud. I can't speak over you. My voice is hurting today. I can't be louder. Okay? You have to take yourself to the other room, okay? Yeah, because the other days I could speak, but my voice is hurting today, so I can't speak over you. <clears throat> so we see different examples over here. From the examples over here, there's the first person who's a jurist, a faqih of the Hanafi madhab, Al-Hassan al-Bazdawi Abu Thabit. He was a scholar and imam. He was the son of an imam. He was born in, 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 in Samarqand. And when his father passed away, his uncle, who's a Qadi, took him to Bukhara where he grew up. And he studied fiqh very early on with his uncle. Then he moved away. And when his cousin, the, 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 uh, when his cousin passed away, then he, uh, um, um, when his cousin passed away, then Al-Hasan al-Bazdawi, what did he do? He took a very specific and special position. That was being the Qadi. Because his cousin was the Qadi before, so now he became the Qadi. But he eventually left that post and he went back to a place called Bazda. And he remained there in his home and was excellent in his prayer. Meaning now he is an individual who is an imam, son of an imam. People depended upon him. When his cousin, the Qadi, the son of a...
So I'm not sure when we got cut off. I apologize for that. Assalamu alaikum to everyone. But I'll just continue to where I assume we were left off. There's a great faqih named Ibrahim bin Rustam Abu Bakr al-Marwazi. And he was actually a Sunni of Muhammad al-Shaybani. Muhammad al-Shaybani was a Sunni of Imam Hanif rahmatullahi alayhi. And he would also stay home. And he heard and uh, he narrates from Abu Isma Nuh bin Abi Maryam al-Marwazi and Asad bin Amr al-Jabali, both of whom started under Imam Hanifa themselves. And he heard from Imam, uh, from Imam Malik, Thori, Saeed, and others. And Darimi said, I asked Yahya bin Ma'in about Ibrahim bin Rustam, and he said he's a person of nobility and precision. The Khalifa, Al-Ma'moon Billah, Ma'moon Billah is going to be the uh, son of Harun Rashid. Offered him to be what? To be a Qadi, and he refused. Rather, he went in his home, and he gave 10,000 dirhams, which are what? Silver coins away in charity. Now, what do we say about this? What we say about this is that look at both these individuals. The first individual, what he did was what he would... Oh, I didn't even get through Hassan. Oh, did it cut off before that? Yeah, you're talking about how he was, uh, he's an imam and he's the son of an imam. Oh, he's the imam, the son of the imam, Hassan al-Bazdawi. And then he was his, his, his uncle was a qadi, and he was raised by his uncle, and he was taught by his uncle, and his cousin was a qadi. When his cousin passed away, he becomes a qadi. He becomes a point of the qadi, the judge. And despite that fact, he leaves his post, and he's described as being a pleasant demeanor and calm, didn't find his character, but he left his post, and he remained at home in his prayer. So the first person leaves being qadi for the sake of what? Staying at home, being good to people, and being good in his prayer. The second person stays at home, is good.
Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, wow. That has spoke that long afterwards. Okay. So this is what we're going to say. If we, um, if my daughters are playing with the lights, that's why they're off. Um, if I get cut off once more, we're just stopping. It's three strikes, you're out. Okay. Pretend I'm a Cubs fan, so it doesn't apply as much. But you're a Sox fan, let's say. So three strikes, you're very used to striking out. So three strikes, you're out. Okay. So we have one more time that we get cut off somehow, then that's it. We're, uh, we're ending this, inshallah. We'll continue tomorrow. So what I was mentioning was, you know, can you imagine you have a friend? I, I don't know exactly where I left off, so I just have to go with this. You know, imagine you have a friend who goes to work, goes to school, you know, whatever they may be. And this person, let's just say he's a male in this example. And he, despite his school schedule, work schedule, in five different occasions throughout the day, goes and visits various friends. Would you find that person to be in any way, shape, or form um, uh, lonely? Probably not. You probably would not find that individual to be lonely at all. And if I were to say your friend not only uh, meets people five different times a day, but also what? Meets the same person, a very close acquaintance. Meets a very close acquaintance five different times a day. So it doesn't meet five different, doesn't mean different people. It meets one person repeatedly throughout the day, five times in a day. Would you at all ever claim this person to be lonely? You'd say, no, this person would not be lonely. Not only does they have various people, but meets one in particular multiple times a day. That's just a person. Peace and love, people, people like this, Al Hassan Al Bazdawi, what does he do? He goes and he gives up position of being Qadi. And he sticks to his isolation and seclusion from the world. Why? Because he is so tied in his prayer, excellent in prayer. He's so tied to his prayer, to Allah through his prayer, that for him, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who else is there. It doesn't matter who else is there because now he has Allah. For us, because we don't necessarily find Allah in our daily activities and find Allah um, uh, throughout the day, even though we pray, we don't necessarily have that connection. Yes, I mean, of course we're going to go seek people. But individuals like this, they find Allah in their prayer and they get to pray to him five times a day. And then all the sunnah and the nawafil, they not only do they seek seclusion, they can't imagine life outside of seclusion. These people, even if they're they yearn for the night. Because when the nightfall comes, then all of a sudden they're able to do what? They're able to spend time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're their best friend, quote unquote. Allahu waliyu amanu. You know, obviously we don't bring Allah down to what we call best friends. But you understand what I mean. Even when we look at the example of, uh, of Abu Bakr al-Marwazi, you know, he goes into seclusion and he gives 10,000 uh, uh, dirham away. Because for him, he finds connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sadaqah. And then the next example that we give is also Abu Jafar al-Hindawani, Abdul Qadir ibn al-Qurayshi. And then what do we find him? Um, uh, he find, we find he writes a biography of Ibrahim bin Muslim Abu Ishaq al-Sakkani. And we find that... Um, um, that that who that he was a, a, a famous faqih who studied under Abu Bakr Muhammad al-Fadl. Abu Kamil al-Basri said, I heard Abu Ishaq al-Sakani say, we had completed our study of fiqh and were among those who were at the front of the gatherings of Imam Abu Bakr Muhammad al-Fadl. 
until the jurist Abu Jaf al-Hindawani came from Balkh and we cleared space for him to sit next to the Imam and have it close company. He, uh, Abu Bakr Muhammad al-Fadl said, revise the difficult areas of the law with, the, with, with this faqih Abu Jafar so he can find solace in your company and do not increase upon him loneliness of isolation. You can turn off the light. You can turn, you can turn on the phone. I can turn off. So um, what do we see that he was told that revise the difficult areas of law with the jurist Abu Jafar so he can find solace in your company and do not increase upon him loneliness of isolation. Like what, what, what do we find over here? Now we find that he yearned for isolation. So he said, what? Keep him busy in those areas so that he can enjoy your company. If not, what? He misses isolation. He's going to go back to it. And then there's others, you know, the, the, the Faqih Ibrahim and Muhammad and Ibrahim from the, the family of Qais bin Wa'il, um, um, who was a, a, he was a companion of the Prophet He was a Faqih and a Qadi. He studied Fiqh under Ali bin Abdullah al-Damighani. And he was, a, he was a skilled Hanafi debater. He later became the, the chief judge until what? He grew sick and then he would stay in his home. And this is like, you know, people, they, they found joy in their home. They found joy in their own studies in home. They found joy in their sadaqah in home. They found joy in what? Their, their prayer in home. Because they developed a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they found that connection there, they didn't miss people. And I'm not encouraging to go out away from people. What I am encouraging is that when you're put in the situation of isolation, like we are now with quarantine and self-isolation, whatever exists now, whether a person agrees or disagrees, and I don't, I, I, look, I, I'm sort of in the middle of this. I'm not on one side nor the other. But whatever our position may be, a person should recognize that this is an opportunity. And if we can just find the joy of prayer, then what's going to happen is a person is going to enjoy being alone in on their sajjad and musalla. This is why the, the Salaf used to say, if the kings knew the, the joy we experienced upon our prayer rug, they would turn their armies around from conquering other lands and they would descend upon our prayer rug to try to take it over. And this is exactly how they saw it. You know, and, and there's so many other examples that are mentioned one after another, after another, after another. We see even some what we consider to be sort of extreme examples. The Imam Ahmed bin Ali uh, Abu Bakr al-Warraq, he did the commentary Muhtasar al-Tahawiyah. He, it's mentioned that he left for Hajj. When he left for Hajj, he went about six feet and he told his companions, take me back home. I've committed 700 grave sin, sins in this short distance. Now, did he commit 700 grave sin, sins? Probably not. The, the good deeds of the people who are pious are, the, are, are looked upon by the people of closeness of Allah as being sins. If we miss the Hajj a couple times a week, I fudge every day. Okay, exactly. You don't need it? Yeah. Okay, you want me to have it? Do you want to go to sleep? Okay, go to sleep now, okay? That, you know, um, those individuals who pray the Hajj regularly, they miss one day, but they still catch fudger. For them, that, that feels sinful. While for many of us, if we pray fudger, forget the masjid just at home. We're celebrating. We're doing cartwheels across our lawn. Because the goods of the people of piety are viewed by the people who are very close to Allah as being because they expect so much more out of themselves. 
In Kitab Ma'arif ibn Qutaybah has said in his biography, the Hadith scholar, Shu'bah ibn Hujaj, he used to say, by Allah, it is safer for me to involve myself with poetry than to involve myself with Hadith reports. Had I intended Allah, I would have gone out to you. And had you intended Allah, no, no, okay. And had you intended Allah, you'd have gone out to me. But rather, we love praise and we dislike blame. Meaning what? People now, they're not, the intentions are not as pure. That's what he's saying about his time. Imam Suyuti rahmatullahi mentions in his biography in Tabaqat al-Nuhat of Sheikh Imam Muhammad bin Yusuf Shamsuddin al-Qunawi al-Hanafi. He was a Zahid, he was a Sufi, he was an Imam, and he was a leader in his era. The, 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 the quote begins, he's a leader in his era. At the end of his life, he focused on the Hadith reports and did not occupy his time with anything else. He was righteous, religious, and... and, and okay. And he was praised by different scholars. A Subqi used to praise him, praise him and say, I know of no one today who is like him in piety and knowledge. He would not come out of his home for either the congregational prayer or the Friday prayer. No one was like him in his knowledge that he did not come out for the Jama'ah prayer or the Jum'ah prayer. Again, I'm not saying that's what applies to us today. What I am saying is that when the people of knowledge saw that time come, they also recognized that there is dispensation to stay away. So inshallah, we'll never meet that time. But if we do, then if we are asked to stay away, at that time, you know, I find it funny. When, when, when COVID occurred, the people who would not attend the masjid, they stood up like, what are these imams thinking? What are the ulama saying? Stopping, closing the masjid. Now look, they have a right to say that as well. But the idea is that where were the masses who were standing against the masjid being closed when they were open? We should show our gratitude for the masjid by attending them when they're open. We should show our gratitude for Islam and the ability to pray at home when, when we are forced to do so in that situation as well. Imam Sayyuti rahmatullah mentions in, another, in the life of another individual, Abu Bakr bin uh, Ahmed bin Damin. He was a noble jurist, knowledgeable and well acquainted with fiqh and its usul, as well as nahu, all these different sciences, tafsir, etc. He was very righteous and he was a zahid. He stayed away from the world. He was devout and humble. He had great character. He was content with little and would fast and pray often. He enjoyed great prestige amongst the elect and the common folk, and he loved seclusion and isolation. What do we see? He didn't go out and seek for people to have attention of him. He sought Allah's attention. He would fast often. He would pray often. And when you have the company of Allah, the company of others don't matter. These individuals, they sit in silence because their heart is communicating with Allah, meaning it's engaged in dhikr. Ibn Taymiyyah, when he was forced into seclusion into prison, what do you say? Execute me if you want. I'll go to paradise or, or throw me into prison. That's fine. I'll do dhikr. I'll remember Allah. My paradise will be in my heart. You, they couldn't affect him. They couldn't take him away from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, uh, from, from his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another, Suyuti uh, mentioned another uh, about Abu Bakr bin Muhammad al-Qasim al-Mursi. He was famous and renowned for his virtue. So people loved him. He was upright and loved isolation and seclusion from others. Same thing. Sayyuti Rahmatullah mentions in Hassan bin Hamdan al-Attar bin Abi al-Ala al-Hamdani. He was an imam in Quran, in ulum al-Quran and in hadith and famous for his zuhud. He didn't, wasn't attached to the world. And he was of great character and he was strict father of sunnah. He was the author of different texts. Uh, so he was, he was a writer and he was the author of different texts of sciences of deen. 
And he would never seek position situation. And he would not even seek a, t- a teaching position in the madrasa. Or he would never seek a, a position in ribat, meaning like to go teach the people who are out doing jihad. Instead, he would teach lessons in his home. His fame spread far and wide. His sunnah was the, the his sun the sunnah was his motto, and he would hadith collections unless he was in a state of ritual impurity. And what do we know about him? He loved to, he stayed home. He chose home instead of what it says here. He taught from his home. He did not go out to the people. Suyuti mentions another person, Ahmad bin Muhammad bin Isa al-Azhari al-Barti, the Hanafi jurist and the teacher of Imam al-Tahawi. He narrated a large number of hadith. He also wrote and compiled a musnad work of his own. Khatib al-Baghdadi said about him, he was a person of precision, a proof in his own right. He was a hujjah. And he would remain in his home and dedicate his time to devotions until he passed away. May Allah have mercy upon him. Khatib al-Baghdadi also mentioned that al-Barti had a dream in which the Messenger of Allah was sitting down somewhere. When al-Barti entered, the Prophet stood up, shook his hand and kissed him between his eyes and said, welcome to the one who practices my sunnah. When Abu al-Abbas Barti would go to Abu al-Ala Sa'id, he would kiss him between the, the, the two uh, and say, this is how I saw the Prophet do it. And he passed away. Now, wh- why is this important? Because what was he well known for? His his ittiba' of sunnah. He would follow sunnah regularly. He would follow sunnah regularly. And he found that in the dream, the Prophet said that, welcome to the one of mine who follows my sunnah. And what did he do? He practiced isolation. The Prophet would not have gone to him. In my very, very little understanding of the Prophet and his sunnah and his visitation people in his dreams and praise his following the sunnah and and feel that his isolation was not part of the sunnah. But he felt that he followed the orders of seclusion when the time came. Others, Dawood bin, uh, bin Nasir al-Ta'i, he was one of those who studied fiqh and other sciences, but he stayed away from society. Uh, Muharrab bin, uh, uh, bin Da'athar said about him, had Dawood existed in the previous nations, Allah would have re- related his story to us. Meaning through hadith or Quran, some way we would have heard about this man. Ibn Mubarak said, is the way everything, is the way anything other than what Dawood was upon. Dawood al-Ta'i, famous Dawood al-Ta'i. One of the students, Imam Hanif, al-Tahawi said, and he remained in his home for 20 years. Imam al-Tahawi said, Ismail bin Hamad bin Abi Hanifa related that and said, I would visit Dawood al-Ta'i.
So I know I know I said three strikes out. That was a foul tip. So don't worry about it. Um, we only have like a page left, and I realize it's almost ten. So I just have a couple pages. I'll just finish it off, and we don't have to do this tomorrow, inshallah. Others remain in the home. Muhammad bin Ahmad al Samar Qandi. He was a key of the Hanifi Madhab. And he was morally. Yes. All right. And you know, some people might be saying, like, why all about the Hanafi Madhab? He was a Hanafi faqih himself. So oftentimes you read about the stories of your teachers and grand teachers. And he was a virtuous and morally upright sheikh and who remained in his home and seldom mixed with people. Amongst the scholars who remained in their homes is also Muslim bin Sanama bin, uh, bin Shabib al Nufayi. Uh, Ibn Nadim, and he and, and he said he was a virtuous. Uh, Ibn sorry, Ibn Nadim said he was a virtuous jurist. I read two couplets of poetry from Abdul from Abdul Muhsin al Suri, and he gave me license to transmit them. The couplets. Khadija, that was not right. What you just did, you took away the light and you did that. That was not right. And now you turn off the light. That was not right, Khadija. Give me the flashlight, please. I'm sorry, that wasn't right, Khadija. So he. The two couplets are, I found so much solace in my isolation, so much that were I to see intimacy, I would be lonely. Meaning that if I were to be with another person, it would be loneliness for me. I cannot be with another person. Experience has left, has left me friendless. Never do I incline to someone except that I soon part ways. I never, I, he doesn't come towards someone except that he leaves them quickly. Others, Yunus bin Ibrahim and Sulaiman al-Sarkhadi Badruddin al-Hanafi. He was a virtuous sheikh, skilled in grammar, and he's a lover of seclusion. In Kitab al-Ma'arif al-Waqidi, there, there is the following. Uh, um, Malik bin Anas would go to the masjid and attend the, uh, this Imam Malik, the, 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 the fault prayers, the Friday prayers, and the funeral prayers, and he would visit the sick in the masjid. He later stopped sitting in the masjid. He would simply offer his prayers and go back home. He also stopped attending funerals. He would simply visit the, those who were sick and offer his condolences. Sorry, to visit the ones whose family of the one who passed away and offer condolences. Eventually, he stopped even that. He would no longer attend the congregational prayers or Friday prayer in the masjid. He would no longer visit the sick and offer the people of this. He would say, not everyone can disclose their excuse. And this is, you know, this is... Uh, he, he, what he's mentioning is that, you know, Islamically, legally, rainfall, and, and these are excuses, haraj. But others, you know, evil that become widespread is now like becoming the haraj of the time. And so this is what I wanted to go through everyone with. Um, I'll just cover one more. Um, in uh, Ibn Farhun al-Umari recorded in Tabaqat al-Malikiyah, about Ahmad bin Khalid bin Yazid of Andalusia. He was known as Ibn al-Hubbab. He was an imam. There's no one in Andalusia more knowledgeable in fiqh than him in Qasim bin Muhammad bin Qasim. At the end of his life, he became preoccupied with disseminating sacred knowledge. He would teach a lot of deen. When his mother was expecting uh, with, with him, someone told her, within your womb is a child from whom the world will be illuminated and from whom people will hear in, uh, much knowledge. He authored a musnad of Imam Malik's hadith. Uh, and, and stories of prophets. And he kept to himself and remained in his home and engaged in private devotion. He continued in that way until he died on Sunday in the middle of Jamal al-Ukhra. Ibn Farhun mentioned in his entry of Ahmad bin Amr al-Ali al-Hilal al-Rubi'i that he spent his life as a virtuous knowledgeable man. He would offer, deliver several verdicts, fatawa. He authored many books, such as large eight-volume commentaries on Ibn Hajib's legal work as well as uh, 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 his work in grammar. Many virtues 
uh, amongst Rubai's many virtues was that he left a life away from people and he kept away from people and the people of politics and only associated with his close uh, students. And this concludes the work that we were working on together. So I'm hoping I'm not that everyone goes into uh, seclusion, but that at least we recognize the benefit of seclusion and the benefit of uh, of applying it in the time when need when it's when it's necessary or when we're forced to do so. It's been our habit to end at 10, 10 01, so we'll end at 10 01. I'm going to make only one dua today. Oh, it's about one sister who had very uh, who were seeking cure of her cancer. Allah, we ask that you bless Sister Andrea and heal her from her cancer, Ya Allah. Remove it from her, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, you guided her to the deen when she converted to Islam. Oh Allah, she's been a deep practitioner of your deen, someone whom many look up to, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, Allah, do you grant her a long and healthy life from which her family and the rest of the world can benefit from her and what the good she brings to this world, Ya Allah, and protect her from this disease and protect us from the evils that exist in this world, Ya Allah. Allah, the others we've made dua for, including Mona Yusuf's parents who both have cancer and others, Ya Allah, accept dua from them and accept dua from us, Ya Allah, and heal them and heal us physically and spiritually.